The following podcast is an audio version of a live show that takes place daily on Crowdcast. To join our live audience, visit our Crowdcast website at crowdcast.io slash in lieu of fun. That's crowdcast.io slash in lieu of fun. Live okay, before sorry, we start sorry, telling okay, stories. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Uh, I hit the blue go live button, and we're live. It's Monday, August 2nd, 5.02 p.m. Eastern Time. I'm going to try to not smile in any way so that I don't look completely deformed or like an evil version of the Joker because half of my face is completely numb. As I told Genevieve and Scott and Ben in our Twitter, in our text chain, that like someday someone somewhere is going to make some video of me with slurred speech and I'm just trying to get out in front of it. I'm just trying to like basically like knock that down before it even comes at me. So um, anyways, uh, we are here to play. I don't know, we need to come up with a really good name for this, Ben. I have proposed in the title, Where's the Lie? Cause like, I kind of think that it's like a really nice, it's kind of fun. But like, what if the lie is everywhere? Yeah, but you know, you know the phrase, like, you know that, like, do you know that phrase? Like the phrase that the kids use? No. Like when some you someone does some okay, of course. The kids use Genevieve, can you explain it so I can't so I can try uh, No to no, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna explain oh it. Oh my god, why would you do this to me? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um the that the where is the lie? It's kind of like uh someone does something like totally absurd or like over the top and like they kind of you you say like where's the lie like this is just such a like this is so perfect that like there's no it's like i don't know i think i've literally never heard that before okay never i've never heard it either but it is now the title at least on a tentative placeholder basis of this segment we're playing where's the lie with Dwayne betts Dwayne's got two stories for us for um Poll number one, you can change your vote. And I, I see people have already voted. The story <laughs> hasn't started. <laughs> I just want to say that's like, uh, that's, you know, you can change your vote at any time. We will bring an audience member on screen to uh, interrogate Dwayne about story number one. Then we're going to go into story number two. Now, Dwayne, question, a pr- process question here. Is one of them true and the other one a lie? Or are, or might either one be true or false? Are they independent games yeah. or are they yeah. related game? Yeah, they're independent. All right. So we'll bring an audience. If you want to be an audience member to interrogate Dwayne on story number one, flag it for us now. Uh, KK will use her uh, unreviewable discretion to choose a con- uh, a conversant uh, uh, a uh, uh, to discuss it. Um, we will have questions. We'll vote on question number one. Then we'll go on to question number two. Dwayne Betts, in lieu of fun veteran. Oh, you uh, have to review for everyone that they're not allowed to Google stuff. Yes, you are not allowed to Google. I mean, nothing that we can do about it if you do. But if you Google details of Dwayne's story, just know that you're a cheating motherfucker. I mean, shit. The police don't even Google your stories when they interrogate you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. Well, our audience is way smarter than the average police department. They just but use facial recognition. You're, you're not allowed to Google Dwayne's story. So, Gwen, the floor is yours. Story number one. 
I, you know, I didn't even want to tell the story because it takes me back to a time in my life when um, shit was really difficult. Uh, if you've wrote a memoir and you've been to prison, prior to Facebook blowing up the way it has, um, really before Oprah got rid of her show, you really expected to be famous. I mean, you didn't expect to be famous. You expected to be on Oprah's show and be rich and famous. And so I, I published this memoir like 2009. And I had certain expectations about what my life would look like afterwards. And um, Oprah didn't call me. And the thing is, people, <laughs> people see your name on a book in a bookstore, and they think you got money, right? And I had a, I had a child. I was married. I was, I was teaching poetry. It's quite glamorous now that I'm a poet and a lawyer. When I was just a poet, I was like akin to the guy to stand on the side of the road with a sign saying, you know, will poet for, for food. And uh, and the shit got bad because I was like uh, uh, actually also doing criminal justice reserve work. I mean, not reserve, but I was doing like advocacy work, which means that, for instance, like I got letters from President Obama, you know, like like things like from President Obama pointing me to shit. I had like senators talking to me. I was visiting the White House. I'm sure I didn't have security clearance, um, but all of this stuff was pro bono work. And at the time, I didn't know what pro bono meant, but I would ask people, would I be paid for this? And they would say no. And it got to the point that things was like really bad because, um, you know, rent would be due, student loans would be due, just people would want money from me that I didn't have. And so I told my people, uh, look, I need to be paid for everything that I do. And I remember, right, I got asked to do something for the National Academy of Sciences. And I was like, man, they a fucking academy. They got money. They could pay me. Right. And they said, well, they usually don't pay their experts. And I was like, how the fuck does that sound? How they not going to pay an expert? Uh, and they was like, well, well typically their experts have graduate degrees. It's like, you didn't say that just now. You told me they didn't pay their experts. I need money, right? And, uh, and I said it in a more eloquent way than that. And my, uh, my, my, my representative, who wasn't a representative at all, I didn't work for her. She was like, uh, I'll, I'll talk to him. And so they said, uh, so the National Academy of Sciences said, you know, we don't pay people. And I wish I could have heard what she said, but what they came back with was um, we typically don't pay anybody that gives commentary. But if he produces some kind of work product that's legitimate, we could pay him five hundred dollars. And so I wrote like a three thousand word essay. It was like, all right, here, here you go. And they may pay me five hundred dollars. And that created like a pattern. Right. Again, though, I'm a poet. I don't know really anything about academia. So um, it's this writer. Charmaine. Who am I lying? I know what her name is. Her name is Charlene hunter Gold, right? She she calls me, right? Oh, she calls somebody else I know. She heard me on NPR. Now, NPR, just for the record, did not pay me. I, I told them they needed to pay me, too. I was giving some kind of, like, you know, reading an op-ed that they were doing around Grand V, Florida. And and, uh, and Grand V, Florida was the Supreme case that that um, I wrote an amicus brief for. Time ain't even know what the hell a, a amicus brief was. I agreed to do that. Told them they should pay me too. They also declined, and I was like, "Cool, I'll do it anyway." Because um, Rock was doing it. I don't know if y'all know who Rock is. Dwayne Johnson. He got locked up when he was a kid too. No, not Dwayne Johnson. Fuck. Um, Charles S. Dutton. I always confuse those two because they look a lot alike. Charles S. Dutton and and you didn't get that joke because you're too young. You don't know who Charles S. Dutton is. It's so embarrassing. Um, but anyway. So what happens is uh, I did this thing for them and I get asked to do this thing for NPR and I, and I write this piece about one of my homies and 
Charlene Hunter, she heard it and she was like, um, we need to have this guy on the panel. I was like, on a panel? What the fuck is a panel? I knew what a panel was, but I like to play stupid sometimes when they didn't say we need to pay him to be on the panel. And so I was like, what kind of panel? And they said, where's that Martha's Vineyard? And I immediately thought Inkwell because, you know, that's my whole association with Martha's Vineyard. So I was like, I, I let her go to the Inkwell. I mean, you know, and uh, Henry Louis Gates, it was his it was his thing. Right. And this is like this is when New Jim Crow blows up. Back backstory to this is that I had got a copy, an advanced copy of the New Jim Crow because I was going to write a review of it, right? And I read the book and said, oh, I'm not going to write a review of this one. You're not going to fucking ruin my career before I have one. I have like no comment. Right? And, and, you know, my whole thing about the book was just that it focuses on the war on drugs and everybody I know is locked up for something violent. And, and I have a book like that that doesn't try to account for violence. I just felt like I, I didn't have much to say about the book because it was like boxing the central problem out of the narrative. But anyway... Hear that Michelle Alexander is going to be on the panel. Hear that Dr. Willie Bobo is going to be on the panel. I had never heard of Dr. Willie Bobo, so I Googled. You can't Google to see if he actually exists, but I Googled to be like, is this like, you know, who is going to be here? And, uh, and Charles Blow. And it's like, call him as Charles Blow. I was like, that's cool. That's distinguished. But I, I got to have my money. You know, you can't just have me flying out to Martha's Vineyard for no money. And mind you, I'm thinking that why would people do stuff for free? I wasn't even a bootleg economist at this time, but I sort of understood that the free market meant that these esteemed people should get paid for their time. No, no, no. You know, they expect academics to do things for free all of the time. So none of these folks were getting paid. Um, and, and so they talked to the people. The people decided to give me a couple hundred dollars. Again, I don't know why people keep deciding. And it's not a lot of money, but I could imagine these people just saying, who do you think you are? We will find somebody else. Were you on Oprah? You know, did your book make you an expert? No, we find somebody else. But they say uh, you could go to you could go to Martha's Vineyard and I get on the airplane, fly into Boston. Then I fly into Martha's Vineyard and I was on an airplane that was so small. They had me sitting beside the captain. I swear it was a moment that almost, almost threw, up threw up in this man's um, lap. All of that. Right. I was like, yo, are you serious? First of all, why is this plane this small? Second of all, how come I've been on planes before? I mean, I know they build better planes than this. They build better planes than this in prison. <laughs> when I told him this, he got pissed off. He looked at me, you know. <laughs> it is so funny because nobody in Martha's Vineyard been to prison. So he was like, you have no idea what prison is like, young man. <laughs> I was just like, oh. <laughs> So I get there. And this is, the, this is the wild thing, right? First of all, I should say that you can't really have a lot of baggage, a lot of luggage when you get on a really tiny, tiny plane. And I had a suitcase, but it was only for one day. But I didn't really know how to pack. So I had like a suit in my suitcase. I was wearing Timberlands for effect. It was the summertime, but I wanted to make a statement, you know. And um, and like now, that I, like yeah. Martha's Vineyard. It was like I was just trying to make. I thought, who was going to take a picture? I mean, I didn't know, right? And I had a beard sort of like this, but I had my beard trimmers. You know, I thought that like if I'm going to be in front of Henry Louis Gates, I got to get I got to get sharp, you know. And I got to get sharp right before the event because you never know. I could end up a, a, a law professor off of this gig. Now, why I thought you could go from being a panelist to a law professor is deeply beyond me. But, you know, I've seen some movies and you just fucking never know. And so, I get there. Now, this is the great and esteemed Martha's Vineyard. I get there. I take a cab to the hotel. The cab wasn't paid for. And I told dude, yeah, Dr. Gates has the cab fee. The cab driver looked at me like I was a damn fool. He was like, 
you want to go to jail? And I was like, why do these people keep threatening me, you know? So I, I pay him his little bit of money. I walk into the hotel. And the thing is, I was excited. I wanted to, like, go on the beach. I mean, I, I wanted to. Actually, I should tell you this. Lorenz Tate played in the movie Inkwell. And he had fished for some, some lobster. And so I was playing on fishing for some lobster. So I got the early flight. I got there like 12 o'clock and I'm telling the cab driver, yeah, you know, remember when Lance, Lorenz Tate lived here? You know, where can I get lobster from? And he's naming hotels and restaurants. Well, he's naming restaurants. And I'm like, no, no, no. I want to be able to fish for my own lobster. And he looks at me and I think that's why he thought that I belonged in jail or something because he was like, who is this fool, right? But he drops me off at the hotel. It's like 12 o'clock. I should say that even though I was really pressed about being paid for these events, and I was only getting paid like $500 or $1,000, but I just really, really needed it, I thought it was important for me to show up on time. Since I've been doing this so frequently, I found out that a lot of writers and intellectuals, and particularly law professors, don't believe that they need to be on time to anywhere except court. And so I show up at like 12 o'clock. The hotel Also class. Stay. I have to be on time to class. Kind of. Oh, yeah. I, as, a, as a professor, I think you should. As a student, it depends on where you go. Um, so it's funny, though, because I show up there like 12 and I ask for my room. It's only one hotel on Martha's Vineyard. How do they make a movie about a place with just one hotel? And this is like beyond me. Right. So I'm saying, look, can I get in my room? I need to get ready for the event. And they say your room won't be ready to four o'clock. And I literally had never been to a hotel before that would say something like your room won't be ready until four o'clock. And I'm saying, well, I'm here. I mean, can it be ready a little bit earlier? They was like, maybe quarter till. And I just, and I was like, oh, I should say I had on a wife beater. And and this is at the time when, um, how should I put it? Although the Violence Against Women Act had been passed, I was still culturally adjacent to people who called t-shirts wife beaters, you know? And so <laughs> I had on this wife beater and and Timberlands and boots, but I had a suitcase with one of those extender grips. So, so I thought that I looked quite sophisticated. And my eyesight, <laughs> so I also had on glasses, right? I don't know. They didn't think I looked sophisticated. Glasses and extendable suitcase with wheels, probably. So he tells me to come back in like a couple hours. So I'm sitting in the lobby, and um, I hate to admit this, but I wasn't really a professional traveler at that point, so I didn't have a book with me. So I was sort of kind of just people watching for a good two hours. And um, I realized that I was underdressed for the hotel, which I've never felt in my life. But you weren't lobster <laughs> fishing during this during the two hours? Man, they made that shit up for the movie. I, I asked some other people, and it, apparently they don't even have lobsters like in the water around there. They made this up purely for the movie, you know. And, and I was asking, where's the black part of Martha's Vineyard? Wait, what movie? are you talking about inkwell oh okay you've never seen inkwell this is that's really sad but no i, I was asking <laughs> folks where's the black part of martha's vineyard and and i ain't even gonna lie we talk about race and we talk about culture a lot but when you ask a question and nobody knows the answer to you know that race and cultural awareness and like cultural intelligence is real because i was like can you tell me where the black martha's vineyard is I, I i like to just take a walk through the black part of town and these folks were looking at me like there is no black part of Martha's Vineyard. This is the vineyard. You know, it's like, it's like, you know, it's no room for them. I was like, them, <laughs> you know, this is fucked up, right? So after about two hours or so, two, three hours, I'm sitting in the lobby and I'm like, look, I, I got to get in a room. I mean, I got to get dressed for this event, you know? I mean, what the fuck, right? So I go to the desk and I kind of, I, I kind of put my charm on. 
And I'm like, look, I, you know, it's a really important. You know who Dr. Henry Louis Gates is? The esteemed professor at Harvard? Yeah, well, I'm doing an event with him. And the dude looks at me like, I was like, I don't usually dress like this. I'm actually a writer. What do you write about? Oh, I've been, I've been to prison. Ah, oh, you know, so like I was getting there and then I moved back, right? He tells me, he say, look, go use the bathroom and, and you can like get dressed in the bathroom. I could get dressed in the bathroom. What? But I'm kind of desperate at this point. I mean, I'm not like funky or anything, but I do need to get dressed for the event and I need to shave. And, and I've been to nice hotels before and this is a relatively nice hotel, I thought. Until I went to the bathroom. The fucking bathroom had one star and one pisser. I'm like, this is Martha Vineyard. Like, like this shit, this is a prison bathroom. You know, and it's fucking me up because like, one, beggars can't be choosers. But two, this is not my image of Martha's Vineyard. I was supposed to vacation at this place, right? And I'm like, I don't want to be here, you know? So I go in the bathroom because again, beggars can't be choosers and I got to do what I got to do. So... I'm shaving. <laughs> I got a wife beater on and I'm shaving in a bathroom. Now, I was impressed that they had a plug in a bathroom because my real fear was that they won't have a plug, you know? And then I was like, why the fuck do they have a plug in a bathroom? Because, <laughs> like, it ain't supposed to be a plug in a bathroom, right? So I got it plugged up. I'm shaving myself. And, and I got to be honest, I'm doing a good job, too, you know? Like, I was like, this is like maybe the best shave I've ever had in my life. And I'm at this point swearing I'm going to get employed once I get on this stage, right? So so, you, so your theory was straight from Martha's Vineyard uh, panel with Henry Louis Gates to being a law professor. That's how no, the market worked? No, at this point, I'm not even like, I hated lawyers. No, I thought they was going to hire me to teach poetry. Because I was the only because that's on how the, the poetry teacher market works, right? The pipeline, the market, you know, your pipeline. It's like no, it's, academia. It sounds totally plausible to me. I, I'm I'm buying it. it. I mean, and the beauty of it is that like, it is no less far fetched than believing Oprah was going to have me on her show. I mean, that's like the beauty <laughs> of it, you know. And uh, so look though, I'm shaving, and the door opens, and I jump. Old black dude walks in, kind of bald in head. You know, he's clearly like in his sixties, and uh, and I'm trying to shave. He's like, "Oh, young blood, what's going on?" I'm like, what's happening, sir? He's like, "Yo, can you can you edge me up?" I look at him, and I'm thinking, "This is not a fucking barbershop," and and I want to say this. But I imagine we the only two black people in Martha's Vineyard. And if he got one thing that he's going to take away from this trip, it's not going to be that the black dude and the wife beater in the bathroom who was shaving rejected giving him a haircut. So I look at him. You're going to charge him money? My <laughs> I'm contemplating it. And my suitcase is there. So I'm kind of figuring out, like, I just don't understand his confusion, right? So I say, sure, I got you. So I'm edging him up, right? Mind you, he barely got any hair. I ain't gonna front. You know what I mean? He then he like you. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I don't even understand the question, right? But I'm but he he facing the mirror. I'm edging him up. I gotta say too, 
I can't cut hair for shit. And this is the other thing. I don't know why he was even trusting me. And so I'm afraid that I'm going to mess his hair up. And one thing that people will fight you over is, is fucking their hairline up. Like, you will have to go to blows. And then I'm contemplating whether or not I'm going to get beat up by this old-ass man because I fucked his hairline up. I don't know why he's at Martha's Vineyard. So I'm cutting his hair, but my hand is shaking because I'm thinking about all of this shit that shouldn't matter. You know what I mean? And, um, and then the door pops open. And it's some young dudes. And you know how young dudes, they like to fucking open a bathroom door like they announcing that they need to urinate. You know what I mean? I'm like, this shit is unnecessary, right? So they open a door and they're like, oh shit, Bobby, come check this out. And I'm thinking, and I should say this was like in July, you know? And so when they say Bobby, my dumb ass is like, yo, Bobby Bonilla here? You know, Bobby Bonilla Day. And we had just celebrated that he get a million dollars from the Dodgers every year. And it's so funny because he was like, your pops, Bobby, your pops getting a haircut. And then I'm thinking Bobby Bonilla, you know, Oprah didn't work out, but maybe Bobby Bonilla about to give me my check, right? So I'm nervous, and I look, and Bobby Brown walk in. Bobby Brown's face looked just like your face, Kate. Like, half of his <laughs> face don't work. You know what I mean? He like, oh, shit. You know, he like, push me in the cut. I'm cutting Bobby Brown's father's head. I can't believe this shit. Bobby Brown watches. It ain't take but like three or four minutes. I told you the man ain't have a lot of hair anyway, right? Take about <laughs> three or four minutes. Bobby Brown gives me a dap, gives me hugs. And I'm really excited because I'm like, I just cut Bobby Brown's hair. You know, I'm about to go meet Skip Gates. And I'm really, you know, feeling myself. And, and so they left. I finished getting dressed. I leave. And as I'm walking, I'm like, but he got to be here doing the show. And if he not, I know he's going to be drinking. He didn't invite me for no drink. He didn't invite me for no show. And so now I'm like discombobulated, right? Because I'm like, it's fucked up. Because how ungrateful can you be? I'm, I'm cutting your fucking father's hair in a Martha's Vineyard bathroom, right? And you show me no love? Like you give me a hug and a handshake? Is this all you could do? Like, is you wondering why I'm cutting my own hair in Martha's Vineyard? That's when I knew why I wasn't on Oprah. See, I was concerned about why his father was in the bathroom who his father was. Bobby Brown didn't give a fuck about me. He was just like, oh, random dude cut my dad hair. Let's keep it moving. Me, I'm trying to get all of this backstory. I start Googling Bobby Brown to find out why he's in Martha's Vineyard. Now, when you stalking somebody like that on your way to a panel about mass incarceration, you kind of feel weird, right? So I stopped. I stopped. I'm like, fuck it. I'm stopping, right? I get there, and they had a poet open up the show. And they called this person one of the best poets in the United States. And I was like, do these motherfuckers, do they not know that I'm a poet, <laughs> you know? And clearly, I'm not going to get a job teaching at Harvard now. It's no way that it's going to happen, right? So I'm on the panel. Panel last hour. It was interesting. You know, I got to say a couple things. Uh, got to meet Michelle Alexander. It was so funny that you think having gone to prison and survived and then came home and, like, written a book means something. Until three people inform you that it doesn't, <laughs> you know, and so like I'm sitting on a panel and I'm like, you know, and he's like, yeah, I mean, you know, it's like, I'm really proud of you. And I'm like, what does that mean? Like, you don't offer people tenure who you're proud of. And that's what I knew in that moment. So ever since then, when people tell me they're proud of me, I get nervous. Right. But it's cool. Right. It's cool. And this day is long. Yeah, I'm going to tell you. Right? So we do the event. The poet wasn't even, I don't want to say what I think about the poet because I don't want to feel like a hater, but let's just say that I had won an uh, NAACP award, image award, and this person had, right? 
Now, again, nobody in life has ever said that. So that shows you how well my books have done so far, right? When I'm bragging about NAACP Image Awards, but whatever, you know, I won it. I was happy about it. And I'm still happy, right? And I go to this. So they say, all right, well, would you like to go to the dinner? And I'm thinking, damn right, I'm going to get a dinner out of this. I done got shitted on by Bobby Brown and his pops. I thought I was going to get a job teaching poetry. And y'all brought another poet to introduce the panel that I'm on, right? You know, my mom is like, son, I thought you was a poet. How come they had this other guy reading poems, you know? And I had a poetry book at that time. And it was like, they didn't even mention that you were a poet. And it's just so like my, my people were just like so exhausted by the whole idea. They was like, well, if you're not a poet, why did you get an MFA? Isn't your degree in poetry? It was just so crazy talking to my mom, explaining this event. My wife, I had to explain it to her. I explained it to um, Makai, but he was a baby. So he just was like, he just wasn't understanding it at all. He was just like crying and shit, right? So anyway, they tell me, um, you want to come to dinner? And I'm like, yes. So I get in a cab and we go to dinner and, and, and it's on. I was like, damn, this is the Martha's Vineyard that they were talking about because this shit is on so much land and like you could see the water and, and I'm chilling. I'm taking pictures with Henry Louis Gates with the whiskey showing just to be like, I'm legit. You know, I got, you know, I'm taking a picture. He put his drink down and pissed me off because then I looked like the one that was like, why am I drinking? You know, but I was like, whatever. You know, I took a <laughs> selfie with him and we're talking. He passes me off to this woman. He's like, oh, we got a poet here. And this older white woman comes over to us. If you a young black dude, shit, if you a young white dude, shit, if you a young white woman, basically, if you anybody at a party and they pass you off to the older white poet and you ain't never heard of this person, you feel like Bobby Brown has just told you, thanks for cutting my dad's head and left you in a bathroom alone. So, so when they leave me with this older white woman, I am really fucked up. I just feel like I had an audition for the job interview and whatever I needed to say to my man, Skip, I did not say. I'm talking to this woman though, because I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a gentleman and, and I talk too much. So I was like, fuck it. The audience is an audience. And so we kicking it. I'm finding out she liked poetry. And then I'm finding out that the flim flam had happened, right? Because what happened is Skip had introduced her as a poet, but she was really like a professor at the Kennedy School. And um, and we're talking, right? And she says, and I swear to God, this is true, right? And I know when people say shit is true, they lying, but I swear to God, this is true. She said, you know, my late husband, because she says something. And I was like, you know, I'm learning how to play the harmonica. And you know, you reaching in a conversation where like you just discovered you have arthritis by trying to learn how to play the harmonica and you're bringing it up in random conversation. I'm telling her about my, you know, how I'm trying to learn how to play the harmonica. And I'm like, but it hurts my hands, you know? And she says, uh, my late husband played the harmonica. And I look at her. I was like, shit. I can't believe this. And I asked her, like, I asked her to tell me what, um, what she was saying again. And um, and she says, well, you know, my late husband played the harmonica, my late husband, Bill. And I'm like, yo, was your husband William Styron? Shit, you know, I read Sophie's Choice when I was in prison. And shit is fucked up because, like, I was looking for Sophie's World. Sophie's World is a book about philosophy, and I asked the teacher to give me Sophie's World, but she gave me Sophie's Choice. I was 16, and it fucked me up completely. Are you telling me your husband is William Styron? And she looked at me like she saw a ghost or something, right? And she was like, how the fuck do you know that? 
I ain't know this woman's name at all, you know. <laughs> and, she, and, and and her name is Rose. And she's like, yeah, you know, William Styron is my husband. So then we had this fascinating conversation about William Styron. And I'm like, get the fuck out of here. And I was like, and you a poet too? And I was more impressed by the poet thing than her being a husband, the um, wife of Bill Styron. But I just couldn't believe that, like, that I was at some spot in Martha's Vineyard with the late wife of Bill Styron. And so I'm like, shit, this day is turning up. And I'm wondering if she's going to hire me at the Kennedy School. I just don't really know. And, uh, and I got to be honest, I don't really know what the Kennedy School is. So when they told me she was at the Kennedy School, I was like, I don't know what it is yet. So then we go in to dinner. This is the year that LeBron James went to the Miami Heat. <sighs> Black people don't like the Boston Celtics. It dates back to Lynn Bias. It probably dates back to Bill Russell and John Thompson, but people, I like to act like it dates back to Lynn Bias, right? I like to act like the Boston Celtics cursed Lynn Bias by picking him, and then they brought on mass incarceration. And I know that's a lot to put on one organization, but, you know, <laughs> who gives a fuck, right? So what happens is we're talking basketball, and because of my emotional response to the Celtics, I ain't got my thinker on. So somebody's like, yo, who do you like to win the championship this year? My dumb ass say the Miami Heat. We go sit down. The white dude that I was talking to tells the other white dude, yo, you know, Dwayne thinks the Miami Heat will win the championship. He says he wants to see LeBron James win. Somebody whispers to me, you know, he owns the Boston Celtics. Fuck! What? You mean own, own? So all I had to do was say that I spent my entire life admiring the Boston Celtics. That I always wanted to be like Bill Russell. That Bob Cousy was the player I most admired. That Reggie Williams, when he died, I felt like I lost a part of me. Me and Lynn Bice went to the same neighborhood. I've been living with this tragedy for years. All I had to say was those things. And I might have got lifetime tickets to the Boston. He might have made me a coach. But no, he didn't talk to me for the rest of the night. So when it's time to leave, I don't know where I am. It's late at night. You got to understand by this point, I started drinking too much. Little tipsy. You would think somebody would help me to my car. I asked a few folks to write letters of recommendation for me. Actually, I asked one person. I like. Out of pity, that person said yes. I love that so much. You drunk at the end of the night going around asking people for letters of recommendation. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, oh my God, that's so good. I got him, and then I got in my cab, and you know, the next morning I flew home with a story to tell. Holy shit. All right. So oh we got God. a shitload on the table. I want to note that right now, the audience has you lying by 58, 59% to 41%. So we've got two members of the audience here to interrogate you. Let's see if you can uh, bring that trust number up. Um, Ave, the floor is yours. Uh, sorry, me? Yes, sorry. Uh, actually, my question is not really on the, the, the substance of this, the history, but more on, on the, the way you've told it. Um, it was, um, if it was not written and or rehearsed, I'd say to you, uh, you should be on the comedian, you should, you should add comedian on your, uh, your resume. So I was wondering, 
uh, was it all improvisation or was it uh, how do you end up did you end up to do this 30 minutes of speaking with perfect perfect flow and breaks after punches punchline and stuff yeah I think um it's two ways to answer this question one is to say that Kevin Hart was my best friend growing up and um no seriously and he was I, I grew up in PG County and we were Great. really close and I learned so much from him uh, so that's one way and another way is to say that I and this is honestly also true that I didn't prepare at all and I was struggling with which story to tell and I think my nervousness allowed me to have more skill than I actually have in real life Good. Does that make you if more or less likely to believe the substance of the story? Actually, um, I have another question. Is Are you allowed to lie in your answer to questions? Oh, that's... I actually was about to ask that same thing. No, there are totally we, no rules. Dwayne's allowed to lie yeah, with impunity any anytime he wants, because otherwise you could just ask him, was that story true? And he'd have to confess if it was false. So, no, you, you get a total yeah, pass. You are allowed to lie on this show. Um, and uh, and it's your job to puncture the lie. If you. And, and I mean, as a lawyer so by training, uh, lawyers don't lie. Though. As a lawyer by training, I could tell you in, in all honesty, I'm you're actually ruining literally. It. You're ruining it. You're ruining it. <laughs> okay, lawyers lie. Lawyers lie by habit <laughs> and by training. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Paula, go ahead. Oh, Paula's frozen, I think. You there, Paula? Oh, you have to refresh. Okay. Um, bummer. I'm going to close, Paula. Um, Genevieve, do you have <clears throat> questions? Um, what was your drink of choice at the party? It's so funny, because... Um, <laughs> Cause it was this was before actually I finished my MFA and I didn't drink bourbon until my MFA, so I just had brown liquor and I I don't know what it was. It probably was I was trying to be sophisticated, so I <laughs> I told Skip I said I have what you have it. <laughs> so it was something on the rocks and it was um it was I think it was I think it was whiskey. It wasn't bourbon because it wasn't dark enough. Um, I have a question. Paula's back, but go ahead, Paula. Ask your question. Or do I get three questions? Is that how it works? Yes. Okay. So Ave ha has one more. Okay. Do you want Ave to take her last question? No, no. Okay. I'll let her. You go and ask your three. Okay. Um, do you always remember what shoes you're wearing? You said you remembered the shoes that you were wearing when you got on the plane. No, I don't always remember what shoes I'm wearing. But I should say that I have a pair of Kyrie's and I have three pair of them because um. I don't really fixate on shoes, but I had a, the tie-dye Kyrie's and I knew I liked them a lot and they were going to disappear from stores. So I got three pair and I can't really remember other. I, I actually, I do got a lot of pair of, um, it's a, it's a shoemaker in, um, in Milwaukee, actually, Alan Edmonds. So I have a few pair of Alan Edmonds that I remember when I put on, but usually I don't remember exactly what shoe I have on, but I have something of a fetish for things that I like or that I'm doing to make a point. And you got to understand that the way that Timberlands exist in a culture of like black folks and poverty and like street shit that I just felt like it would be a good story to one day say, yo, I landed on Martha's Vineyard with a pair of Timberlands in July. The first time I got to tell people this, but I thought back then it would be great when I did it. Mm. So my second question is, you said it was a one person bathroom, right? No, no, I said it was a bathroom that had um, 
one pisser and one toilet. I mean, gotcha. technically that is for one person in in a real world, but in prison in Martha's Vineyard, it's as many people as could fit in. Gotcha. Do you do you maybe wonder why when Bobby Brown's dad went in, Bobby Brown also went in, and then his friends? Don't you think that's a lot of people for such a small bathroom? No, nah, I mean we got two point eight million people in prison. I I, I think that we have a, a really skewed sense of space in America. So uh, no, nah, you know. Okay, and then my last question is, why do you think the owner of the Boston Celtics was at the panel? Do you think like he just really liked poetry or maybe he had connections to someone there? Did he ever say why he was there? It you wasn't clear, like a- So you clearly don't understand who Skip Gates is. I still don't understand who he <laughs> no, is, but the, I, day, I was like, I, I think that like, I think, yes, I think that many people might not understand who so, Skip Gates is. So, so Skip Gates is an intellectual, he's a historian, he teaches at Harvard. But but the thing is, though, all of these folks were over to him. He, he was the Oprah Winfrey of the show. And mm -hmm. so it was, these were just his personal friends. I once got pulled over, you know, for some bullshit, some bullshit speeding thing. And I said, I fucking tell the president, Obama's the president. The cop started laughing. It was like, I'm just going to give you a warning, kid. That was funny. <laughs> so, but like when Skip Gates did that, they had the whole beard summit and all of that shit. So, you know, it's just Skip Gates. It had nothing to do with anybody else that was there. <clears throat> okay. So that was if very good. Your final question. Um, why, why have you chosen to tell this particular story? Like, is it like the mo most interesting story that happened in all of your life? Like, why this? <laughs> I've been to prison. Hell no. <laughs> most interesting story. Um, no, I went to prison when I was 16. I got a few interesting stories. I told this one, though, because, um, come on. I cut Bobby Brown's father's head in the bathroom. It is like the most culturally significant thing to happen over the past decade and the most irrelevant. You know what I mean? Like like it's sort of like saying like like if 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 like Madonna was cursing out somebody on the side of the street and she accidentally like spit on you. You would tell everybody that story. You know what I mean? It's just like one of those things. <clears throat> okay. So hold all right, on. Paula, KK, to... KK, you got you have to do your questions. Genevieve have has you, two have, more. Have you told this story at the moth before? Uh, you know what? I've actually and I've listened to the moth, but I've never been on the moth. It's a good okay. moth story. It would be a all really right. good moth story. We got panel questions and then we've got verdicts to do. Uh, yeah. KK, you have questions? Though that was that was that was my question. So um, I, I think that the only other question that I have is, how old were you? My book came out in 2009. This probably, you know, they don't do stuff like this when books are old. So this probably would have been like 2010. So I was close to 30 or not yet 30. Like, you know. Okay. All right. Ben? Had you ever been on a small plane before? No. no. So, like, you flew from, from Boston to Martha's Vineyard on a puddle jumper, and that was your first time on a puddle jumper? Yeah, and it's fucked up, because I've been to Provincetown before, and I had been on a, um, a ferry to get to Provincetown. So when I got on a, that little puddle jump, I was like, where the fuck is the ferry at? <laughs> so I'm interested, like, the first time I was on a little plane... 
like that was a real experience for me you know like like it's so different from being on a jet um but you kind of skated over the little plane thing i'm curious well like why wasn't that a bigger deal for you than it was yeah, I don't know. I guess maybe because I've been on a few more since then. I mean, it was a big deal that I set beside the pallet, but uh, yeah, it was just an airplane. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, at, at the end of the day, it was interesting that like I was able to sit beside the pallet, but I don't really have a bad stomach. You know, I, the only reason I felt like I was going to throw up is because like when you get up there and then you start to go, it's like you've been on a roller coaster. But and honestly, I don't want to talk to a pilot. Like, you can't even enjoy a flight when a pilot keeps trying to impress you with the little gizmos and shit. Do you know what this does? fucking don't know what that does you know so i didn't even like enjoy it as much as i might have i was like can i touch a button and you ask a dude can you touch a button and he he act like you you know sexually harassed him or something so it, and i was black and he was white and it was all of these racial dynamics between like why are you going to martha's vineyard and in my head i was like he might ask the white person who's in the same spot why he's going to martha's vineyard or she's going to martha's vineyard but i felt like he was only asking because i hadn't combed my hair that week you know and it was just a lot of tension I get that a lot. Never combing my hair. Then you're muted. So did he put the emphasis on the word you in the sentence? So it wasn't like, so why are you going to Martha's Vineyard? But he says, so why are you going to Martha's Vineyard? Then it, no. then it kind of brings out the racial side of it, right? No, to be honest, like in retrospect, it was completely innocuous. Like, oh, so what takes you to Martha's Vineyard? Like, like it was just like it's just like I bet he would like if I was to ask him he'd be like dude first of all I don't remember you second of all I fucking hate that flight and I do it seven times per day when I'm on duty it's like you know don't don't over don't overestimate your value or your worth or your significance like in, in my tw it's a I think it's a 27 minute first of all why would you get on a flight that's only 27 minutes I think I could have walked to Martha's Vineyard across the water and got there faster it was crazy <laughs> I will say, Dwayne, if you mention how you just got out of prison or your former felon as often as you have on this show, then I think that, like, he could have been like, why are you going to Martha's Vineyard? <laughs> and it would have had nothing yeah, to but, do. But, but to be honest, I, I didn't even tell Bobby Brown's pops so I just got out. I should have, though. I, I didn't. I, if I would have thought that it would have appealed. First of all, if I would have thought that he was Bobby Brown's pops when I started cutting his hair, I'd have been like, you know, I learned to cut hair in a joint. But I, you know, I'm just trying to play it low key. And plus, I'm like, I'm distinguished. I got a suit in my suitcase. You know what I mean? It was, it was three sizes too big, and and I hadn't heard of Alan Edmonds yet, so my shoes was funky as hell. I think I probably wore the Timberlands that night. Who knows? <laughs> so I have, all right, I have, Genevieve. I've got, do you have questions? I've got my two my two extras. So, what color was your suit? Oh, it was um. <laughs> Have you ever been to Men's Warehouse or um or Joseph A. Banks? Yes. So Joseph A. Banks is like this is like if you ever date somebody, man or woman or child who says they got a suit from Joseph A. Banks, you should run. You <laughs> should run and you should tell them to seek therapy because literally this is like this is this is actually the worst decision in life you can make is to buy a suit from Jose Banks. And you'd be like, well, I got two for the price of one. Motherfucker, no, you didn't. You got a quarter of a suit <laughs> for the price of three. And so, and when you ask them what color you should get, they always say shit like this. The dark gray will look great against your skin tone. So I got on this funky ass dark gray shirt, I mean suit, that doesn't look like <laughs> any color. You know, some people think it's black. Some people think it's blue, and 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 you talk about like 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 a box cut. I mean, it fit me as if I, I told you I'd been to prison. It fit me as if I had like had like 
not spent the last decade doing thousands of push-ups. It was so <laughs> embarrassing. <laughs> but like, I, at this point, I got two children. You know, I've been like drinking whiskey. But back then, I could have had on a better cut suit. And I know that's a tangent. And you just asked me what color the suit was. But part of me always needs to rant when I got to <laughs> say those names. Joseph, Abe. And it ain't even Joseph. Like, that's the other insulting thing. Like, Joseph Banks. But anyway, I had on a Joseph Banks suit that was dark gray. And I got two for the price of probably 20 <laughs> Okay. And then my final question is, you said you stopped Googling why Bobby was there. Did you ever, because it felt creepy to try and figure out why he was there. Did you ever figure out why he was on Martha's Vineyard that day? I hate to admit this. Because I carried a whole lot of anger around me towards Bobby Brown after this shit happened, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I think the motherfucker was just vacationing. You know what I mean? Like, like, like I was searching and searching and searching and then it struck it's like who the fuck at Martha's Vineyard is trying to go to a Bobby Brown concert right it's like I'm sorry that's just not the audience for him and so it turns out that he just needed some chill time just like everybody <laughs> and I bet this motherfucker thought he wouldn't be noticed <laughs> you know what I mean that's the other thing I, I think he was just like you know nobody's gonna notice me here so nah okay. La- I, have, I think I asked two so I have one more okay my last question Dwayne have you or have you not on multiple occasions told me that people regularly compare you to Idris Elba? Even though Idris Elba is like seven feet tall and you are like five, six. <laughs> I just want to say something. First of all, that kind of bothers me a little bit. I'm decidedly not five, six. How I'm, tall are you? I'm six feet with, 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 with heels, you know. With six, Tim, six, Tim six, <laughs> I'm six two with heels. <laughs> I'm five six. Uh, yeah, I'm, Wait, I'm, I'm five okay. eleven. I, I will give you. You got you got Twain and me confused. I, 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 could dunk. I I'm also terrible at judging height, so I also I don't think that Idris Elba is seven feet tall. I could dunk a basketball. How tall is I, he? I've dunked the basketball. No, I'm just saying I've dunked the basketball like with my hand and the ball, and so like don't come for my height. I mean, and I got my wallet. <laughs> and, and then in terms of Idris Elba, me being mistaken for Idris Elba, like I'm not. I don't want to begrudge anybody's fantasies. You know? <laughs> I actually tell you this other thing. This is some bullshit, but me and my wife, we was uh, we was at IHOP one day, right? And this white couple was sitting. We used to go to IHOP to do homework, and this white couple was there, and it was like the white woman was smiling at me. She's an older white woman. She's smiling and shit. Her husband's like, how the fuck you smiling at him? And, and, and she says, you look just like Ed Norton. And I'm cheese, and I'm like, you know, people say shit like that. And my wife, my wife is like, yo, you must don't know who the fuck Ed Norton is. So I'm smiling and laughing and shit. And then um, and I'm talking to the woman, and I'm being all charming. And they leave, and my wife is like, do you know who he is? And she's Googling shit. And it's some white dude. So the fact that people think I look like Idris Elba, I, I'm just saying, you know, I, at the time I used to rock the mohawk. All black people look alike. They say it was in the shoulders and the eyes. I was wearing contacts then. With glasses, people don't say it as much. But when I just, I'm saying yes, I have told you multiple times. Because every time somebody tells me that, I make sure that I tell you. I need somebody to, <laughs> to say it in public. I love you. This is why we're friends. It's like so good. Okay. okay. All right. Verdicts. Who? We are ready for verdicts here. Let's yes. start with the 
the well, we'll let the audience be influenced by by panel and and uh, uh, interrogator verdicts. Uh, Ave, why don't we start with you? What's what's your verdict on this story? Is it is it bullshit or or is it real? The fifty percent of the details are made up, um, kind of. It, so it was like a great pretext to wait. Start uh, again because you were muted. Oh, sorry. So um, the Bob, Bobby stories is true. Like the the air cutting in the bathroom is probably true. The details are made up. Interesting. Paula, so like a, like, what do you so think? Is this, like a, is this like a Jonathan Roush fifty fifty thing? Is like what you're saying? No, kind the Jonathan yeah. Rouse story was totally false. It was just like he dreamt right. of doing it, but he didn't do it. Yes, <laughs> you know, that's true. like that's true. That's true. I think no, no. You, Eve is saying broad outlines of the story. So did did Skip Gates panel that happen? Meeting the owner of the Boston Boston Celtics, putting his foot in his mouth. Did that happen? Mm, no. no. So you think only the Bobby Brown haircut, dad, and the the the. Yeah, yeah, basically. Okay, yeah. so a few detail, a few components of the story are true, but basically there's a lot of bullshit in there. Absolutely, yeah. All right, Paula, what do you think? Um, I think it's a lie. It runs too much like a comedy sketch. Like too many things linked together to be like rehearsed and funny, and I don't think it's true. Genevieve? I'm going all in, it's true. Because I loved it, and I hope it's true, and sometimes real life is weirder than any story. <clears throat> I 100% think it's true. All right. Um, I have gone back and forth. I've changed my vote in the poll about a dozen times. Um, I am going here with the triumph of faith over experience. Jonathan Rausch fooled me. Uh, I know I'm going to regret this, but I think this is all true. Okay. All right. The audience, this is your last chance to change your vote, audience members. Uh, we're wow. down. We have 50 people think that you're lying, Dwayne. 30 think that you're not and telling the truth. So yeah, that's so 62, this is... 38. So what's, what's, the, what's the truth here, Dwayne? Is it all bullshit? You know, I, I, I got to say a few things. I'm, so first, I'll say it's 100% true. That whole thing about Rush, you cannot mix truth and facts and then ask somebody. I mean, that's what you do when you talk to police. Like, if it's either true or it's not true, right? <laughs> like, it, it would be rude to, like, take some truth and, like, mix it with lies. I think that that would be rude and it wouldn't be fair. So it's 100% true. Um, yeah, it's 100% true. I would say the only thing that, that's, like, might have been embellished is because of memory's sake so maybe everything i said that happened between me and the and the and the pilot didn't happen but everything else is a hundred percent true and so true in fact that i left part of it out because i didn't want to i didn't want to give it away i asked skip for a letter of recommendation i was like let me send you my poetry manuscript you know because i don't want you to just have to say yes on the spot i sent them the manuscript for bastards of the reagan era then i got a Radcliffe <laughs> fellowship um and, and he so he wrote my letter rec for the radcliffe fellowship and then while I was at Radcliffe, it's another story that could be true or lie. But anyway, at Radcliffe, that's when I decided to go to law school. So it was 100% true. 
I am so thrilled by that because uh, I love it when the audience gets it wrong. I love it when the panel gets it right and particularly love it when I get it right because it's ultimately these things are uh, humiliating when you get wrong. I have a serious question, though. Um, when you tell a story like that, uh, there are so many disparate threads, right? You got your Skip Gates thread. You got your Bobby Brown's father cutting his hair in the bathroom thread. You've got your talking to the pilot on the way there. You've got your uh, fresh out of prison in the in the hotel in the one hotel uh, uh, in Martha's Vineyard. How do you construct a cohesive narrative out of it? Uh, oh, one thing for the audience: I lied about Kevin Hart, but but I but I told you that I lied about Kevin Hart because I said Can we were from the same place. Can you tell me about your livers? That's a lie too. But um, okay. <laughs> I lied. I, but I lied about Kevin Hart. But I put the seed in there so that you knew that it was a lie because Kevin Hart is from Philly. He is not from PG County, so there's no way that we could have grew up together. Um, but you can't. You can't. Uh, you, you know. I'm sorry. That's, that's, that's cheating, man. PG it's got to either be all true or all false. No, no, that was a lie to a question. That wasn't a part of the story. Oh, okay. All yeah, right, was, you're allowed to lie to the question. Yeah. And I and I actually lied to the question after you told her that I could lie to the question, not before. Um, In terms of the story, I actually, the thing, it's, it's interesting because I think about the story sort of building on itself. And I don't know if in the moment these things mattered in the same way, but it mattered that I was struggling in a way so that you could understand that it was something at stake. And also that the possibility that like all of this shit could have not happened. Because I was in some ways arrogant asking to be paid for what people were doing routinely for free. So the setup that one, the whole story becomes improbable. See, I knew that that was the part that was so emotionally true for me. Because I remember being a freelance writer and all these people expecting you to not get paid for your work. And, uh, and you know, this... Like, you know, and pretending you can, of course, now that this is what I do, you know, I get people to write for Lawfare and don't pay them. But uh, <laughs> back then it was the height of injustice. Um, and, you know, like, and you would, they would, the way they would trade on the prestige of what they were uh, asking for, you know, you get to do something for the National Academy of Arts, you shouldn't expect to get paid. Uh, no, that that totally had the ring of truth to this. Yeah, and that's, I felt like you set that up, and then the Bobby Brown thing, I mean, that was just like, you know, it's supposed to be the only part of the story that matters. But then you get the whole event, which was lukewarm, and that's why I didn't really have a lot in the event, because it was a mundane academic event, except the fact that they had a poet, which was like, are you serious? They had a poet, and you were a poet? Um, and then I think and then I think you end off with the boss, with the one you end off with, it, it kind of keeps building up in absurdity, right? Because then you get the Rose, meeting Rose, and I honestly don't even know why I said, are you Bill Styron's wife? Like, that's the craziest shit I ever said in life. And it turned out to be true. And then you get the Boston Celtics, so it's like absurdity on absurdity. It feels like the kind of story that, you know, but I think, I don't know, I think I got a few stories like that. I think part of it is 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 is, is freewheeling, and you kind of try to respond to your own like, I relived it while I was telling it. So for me, I try to respond to my own joy and, and, and like, having a new... And it's funny, because I had another story I was I was struggling with, like, do I tell you this one? And I was like, you know what? I, I like this story. And let's just, like, enjoy this one. And the other one is just as good, but it's like, 
the other one might be a lie. And I was like, let's just enjoy this one and let folks see if they believe this. I love that. We are going to leave it there. We are playing this game again tomorrow with Sarah Bond, who has promised us a story about the sex lives and deaths of Roman emperors. Uh, I have no idea if it's true, um, but that it will be tomorrow. Where's tomorrow's Where's the Lie? Dwayne Betts, you are a great American. This was a great story. I don't think anybody knew whether whether it was true for sure until you announced that it was 100% true. Um, Come back and do another one anytime you like. I know. It's a pleasure, man. I I had a lot of fun. Thank you, guys. Thank you. You're the best. We will be back 23 hours and two minutes from now. And until then, Kate... Uh, we don't have fun anymore. We also don't have feeling on half our face, but we do, (laughs) we, we do have, uh, we do have some, uh, some truths and some lies. See you tomorrow. Hey, I just, before you cut the stream off though, I just want to say what I said to you in a text before. I have been listening to a bunch of the early episodes of In Lieu of Fun on the, uh, podcast stream and if I do say so myself, they are fucking great. So you should uh, go back, subscribe to the podcast stream, share the podcast stream with everybody yeah. you've ever met, and uh, listen to some of the old back episodes. Uh, great, Some great discussions. See yeah. you tomorrow, folks. Bye, friends. Hey, everyone.